Let us pray. Grant us, Lord, not to be anxious about earthly things, but to love things heavenly. And even now, as we live among things that are passing away, to hold fast to those that shall endure. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. A reading from Ecclesiastes chapter 11. Cast your bread upon the waters, for you will find it after many days. Give a portion to seven or even to eight, for you know not what disaster may happen on earth. If the clouds are full of rain, they empty themselves on the earth. And if a tree falls to the south or to the north, in the place where the tree falls, there it will lie. He who observes the wind will not sow, and he who regards the clouds will not reap. As you do not know the way the spirit comes to the bones in the womb of a woman with child, so you do not know the work of God who makes everything. In the morning, sow your seed, and at evening, withhold not your hand, for you do not know which will prosper, this or that or whether both alike will be good. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. A reading from 2 Corinthians. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that, having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he has distributed freely, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way. Which, though, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service will not only be supplying to the needs of the saints, but it is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. The word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Luke. Glory to you, Lord Christ. And when the days drew near for him to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem, And he sent messengers ahead of him and went and entered a village of the Samaritans to make preparations for him. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out the laborers into his harvest. Go your way. Behold. I am sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, Peace be to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. But if not, it will return to you. And remain in the same house, eating and drinking what they provide. For the laborer deserves his wages. Do not go from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and they receive you, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick in it and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But whenever you enter a town and they do not receive you, 
Go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town that clings to our feet, we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. The one who hears you hears me, and the one who rejects you rejects me, and the one who rejects me rejects him who sent me. The 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. In that same hour, he rejoiced in the Holy Spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one who knows the Son, and no one knows who the Son is except the Father, or who the Father is except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal to him. The word of the Lord. Good morning. You may all be seated. It is on purpose that I'm wearing red. If you missed the announcement this morning, if I'm running a little late, uh, even though it's Halloween or All Souls Day, we are celebrating today in a sense like a second Pentecost. The work of the Holy Spirit this weekend of with Jen's ordination uh, to the diaconate on Friday night and her now being sent out as an icon of the church. Last night was the consecration service of Restoration Anglicans Building and a wonderful service of uh, seeing the fruit of those we've sent out and now this morning to be able to send out Resurrection Anglican. Uh, It's really a a Holy Spirit weekend and we wanted to celebrate it in every way we could uh, with the red and just with great joy. Would you pray with me? Lord, I'm just very thankful that um, you are at work in so many ways, so many places, and within our hearts. So I just pray that you'd be doing a work this morning within our hearts, um, that we would be receptive to you. In Jesus' name, amen. So we've been in a sermon series called Living in the Kingdom. And this morning, appropriately, it's living in the kingdom as those who are sent. And it's part of our identity, actually, as followers of Christ that we're sent, just like Jesus was sent, we're sent. We follow him um, in our understanding of who we are. So being sent should feel natural to us, but um, sometimes we have a thought in our mind of being sent like an expulsion, like being sent to your room or being sent to the principal's office. Um, but actually, from the beginning of creation, We've been people with a purpose sent forth by God. He's given us a work to do. And today is a celebration really of that great commission work to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them, uh, baptizing them and teaching them that all that I've commanded. And as Jesus says, lo, I am with you always. And in a sense, that's the theme, that we are sent with Christ. 
In, uh, throughout the scripture, our work of being sent is oftentimes described in agricultural terms of sowing and reaping and harvest. And all three of our scripture readings today reference sowing and reaping. Throughout scripture, uh, sowing, there's many things to be sown, uh, righteousness, generosity, or the word of God. Today, uh, Resurrection Anglican, we, in a sense, are sowing you. We are sowing you out into the world. And in reaping, we reap eternal life. We reap righteousness. There's warnings throughout scripture of what can be sown of, uh, punished, of the punishment that comes, uh, we reap when we sow wickedness or we sow discord and we reap injustice. So in this um, imagery of sowing and reaping, I think it's really helpful for us in being sent because there is work for us to do. We sow and we reap. But in that uh, analogy, there is also many things that can't happen without God's work. That between the time of sowing and between the time of reaping, we have no control, but God does. And so we are obedient to what he's telling us to do in being sent. So growing up, I felt that the only people who were sent were those sent to a foreign mission field. That was what it meant to be sent. But Jesus says that all of us are sent, that we are missionaries, his missionaries, representing him. Joel Bascom gave a sermon a number of weeks ago in our kingdom series on our vocations, that our work, all of the work that we do is part of our calling. I encourage you to listen to that if you haven't, because that's what we get to do. We go forth. We set our faces towards something, and we are sent out ahead of Jesus, just like these messengers in our Luke reading. So in our Luke reading, 72 were sent, actually really an additional 72 were sent. Uh, And likewise, we're sent ahead. So we're sent ahead to like Target or the hairdresser or our work at Medtronic or in a doctor's office. We're sent to our children. We're sent to their schools. We are sent ahead. Wherever you go, you go ahead of Christ who is always then coming along with you. You're his messenger. I think, and you know, my mic was messing up earlier this morning. If it messes up one more time, we'll move to the pulpit, but let's just give it a chance. Um, When we think of ourselves as being sent, um, I want to just underscore that we're being sent and we are not being voluntold. And voluntold is a word I've really come to like because I think it's actually a newer word in our English dictionary, um, but I, I think it's a good one to keep. Because it captures that predicament of being volunteered for something, being told you're going to do something that you had no personal authority in deciding that you were going to do. So a couple of weeks ago, my children were voluntold. Um, I, I had actually volunteered for a job that then as I got into it, I realized it was bigger than I thought it was and I needed help in a desperate way. And because of the last-minute nature of it, I knew that I needed my children's help. And so they were voluntold that they could not sleep in on a Saturday morning, but instead needed to come help their mother. They're voluntold because they were my only option. So, 
So when Jesus tells us the conditions of the world, that there is a harvest that's ripe and ready and needing workers, he is not volunteering us. We're not being voluntold in this sending. Instead, he asks us to pray. And then through prayer, realize that we get to do this. It's like in our Second Corinthians reading, um, this sort of hidden dilemma in this reading, a generosity dilemma, where Paul says, decide in your hearts what to give, but know that God has given you abundantly, sufficiently, that you will be enriched in every way, to be generous in every way. So this dilemma to the Corinthians is easily solved. It's easy to be to be generous knowing what we've been given. And likewise, in our Luke reading, through prayer, the dilemma of the harvest is solved. We become the solutions. We're the ones who are sent as witnesses of Christ. As I was reflecting on this passage, um, uh, I had to ask my kids, why do I have this annoying phrase going through my head of some... Um, like computer game or something that they did as children. And they reminded me that it was from Dance Mat Typing, a free program that you can use to teach your children how to type. Um, and so I could hear from like the kitchen, the kids learning how to type and the computer animation saying, type on me, type on me, type on me. But even more annoying were the keys that said, pick me, pick me, pick me. But... In reflecting on the passage, I was thinking about that. Like, pick me, Lord, pick me. I'm crying. You see, I even have Kleenex here. I'm crying because many who are here this morning have asked that of the Lord. Pick me in going with Resurrection Anglican. Um. And I do know, in reflecting on this Luke passage, there's so much joy in being asked to be picked. It's like, you know, when they used to pick, like, dodgeball teams, and you just wished you were, like, the first one picked. It's like that. I'm going to move over. me time to wipe my eyes. Okay, Cyrus, am I on here? Okay. So we're picked, we're chosen, uh, we're sent out. And I want to, though, look at this um, Luke passage because I think there's a whole category that Jesus addresses in it that I like to call what we think we need, but we don't. Because as we're about to be sent, there's lots of things that we can think of that we think we need, but we don't. Uh, I grew up in a family where this yellow book called the Worst Case Scenario Handbook was, like, absorbed. It was, like, digested by my brother and I and our family. He actually would be better, like, he figured out what to do in a bear attack or fixing a broken ankle or having a swarm of locusts attack. Uh, for me, I just absorbed it of, like, be ready for anything. And so even as I travel... Like, I always bring duct tape with me. Um, I always bring ramen noodles and instant oatmeal. And I always bring clothing for if the sleeping conditions are too hot or if they're too cold. Like, the ready for anything. 
So when I read in the Luke passage, uh, Jesus systematically telling them what not to bring, it just goes against my sensibilities. Um, I, I look, he, he tells them about the traveling conditions that they will be like lambs among wolves. And I think, wait a second, you're telling them not to bring any money or snacks or like a second pair of shoes. We don't even get to uh, plan out where we're staying. We don't get to check out our options. We have to eat everything that's put in front of us. And before we're sent, I think that a lot of times we think we need the right timing, we need the right conditions, we need adequate provisions, we need a specific plan, and we can come up with a large list of what we think we need before we should ever be sent. I train church planters for my work And they oftentimes come up with a long list of what they think they need, which I'm always like, that's not what you need. You need this other list, not that list. Um, And it kind of reminded me in this section we have of the wisdom of Ecclesiastes that we oftentimes think we know what we need. And we think we know how to read the signs for when it's the right timing to do this work. But the truth is we can look at the conditions and we really don't know. But God knows. He knows when the harvest is ripe and ready. And so when our minds think, well, I I don't know if I should do this. I don't know if it's the right timing to give this money away or to bring up my beliefs in this conversation or um, to invite that uh, person over for dinner, it rarely feels like the right timing in our work of being sent. But we can be obedient to the task. As Ecclesiastes says, so in the morning and then so again at night because you really don't know what will prosper and we don't need to know. When Jesus tells uh, the 72 not to idle along the way, not to greet those along the way, I think he's more saying don't get distracted. Don't like find excuses for doing something else instead of doing the work that I've given you to do. Just go forth. And I love the antidote he gives to help us in this, that we go forth with others. The 72 were sent out in pairs, and sticking together is much greater resistance to harm. Having children who watch uh, every David Attenborough video, um, probably that he's ever made, uh, which is many, I learned that there was a vulnerableness to any herding animal that got separated from the flock. And so when we are lambs among wolves, it's so important for us not to get separated from those who we are also going forth with. We do this work together. So there's a list of things that Jesus puts out there that we don't need for doing the work, but we do need uh, things for the work of being sent. And so I want to look at three that Jesus lists in this Luke reading. These are things that we need, and beautifully enough, we already have. And we just need to recognize that. So the first one is peace. Jesus was explicit in his instructions of what not to bring, but he's also explicit in his instructions then in what to do, which reveals something of what we are sent out with. Jesus said, whatever house you enter, first say, peace be to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. But if not, it will return to you. So did you catch that phrase, your peace? 
That's something you already have. You need that in being sent out, and you already have that. If you have Christ, you have the Prince of Peace. I love what scholar Edwin Hannenberg says about this peace. He says, so often I imagine peace as a set of circumstances outside of myself, as if my peacefulness depends on everything around me. Jesus, with his image of peace going forth from me, resting on another or returning to me, reverses this assumption. Peace begins with Christ in me. I offer it to others, but my peace does not depend on them. Even if I do, if they refuse it, I do not lose it as long as I cultivate it in my heart. He goes on to say, and so every missionary must also be a mystic in the most ordinary and everyday sense, namely someone who experiences God's peace within and allows it to radiate out into the world. Every Sunday in our service, we exchange peace with one another. We say, the peace of the Lord be with you, and also with you. And one of the reasons we do this is because we're rehearsing our script. We're rehearsing what we get to do when we're sent into the world, that we bring peace. We've been given peace, and we bring peace to another. And this is mysterious, what it means to give peace to a house or a person, Uh, It's mysterious what it is of the opportunity on their part to accept, uh, receive our peace, or to reject it. And then thinking through this phrase, the son of peace, the description of one who does receive the peace that's offered, um, I thought it was interesting in Luke's gospel, the link he has about becoming like children in the kingdom of God, that we become like children, the least of all are really the greatest in the kingdom of God. Jesus, just a a chat like in our scripture, dividing it up a chapter before this, brings a child next to him and says, be like this child in your reception of the kingdom. But then in our Luke reading at the end, it's those who are like children who understand their names are written in the book of life. And so I think that this son of peace is one who understands with a humility something of a need for receiving what they don't have. And it's a childlike acceptance, a dependence on God. And that's so important for us in our reception of peace, that we understand that we are weak and we are lowly like a child in need of receiving his peace. For Resurrection Anglican, you need to understand your dependence on Christ for your peace as you uh, go out. That's been a core value at Church of the Cross. Um, It's just something that all of our lives of discipleship include. So we not only have peace, but we have provision. The disciples were told not to figure out their own provisions. Like I said, that would have gotten me a little nervous. Um, But obviously... Uh, he wanted to create a dependence in them on his provision. So he tells them not to bring food, but that food will be provided for them. We have everything we need in Christ. Again, referring to our 2 Corinthians reading, God's provision is abundant. It's fully sufficient in all ways at all times. Grace abounds to us. He supplies all we need for our work, all seed for sowing, 
all food, all rewards of the harvest, all is provided in him. Joel Green, a Bible scholar, says it this way. We're encouraged to believe that Jesus' sending of us incorporates somehow the provision of a competence necessary to achieve the missionary end for which persons are sent. I want to read that again. That our sending incorporates the provision of the competence necessary to achieve the missionary end for which we're sent. Amen. We have peace, we have provision, and in him we also have power. Being sent never happens in our own strength. By our own might or will or control or competence, we don't fully know the work of God, but we experience power in and through us as we're sent. So the 72 in this Luke reading were instructed to heal, and they were also instructed to announce the kingdom has come near to you. So even to remind those who rejected their peace that the kingdom is near. I don't know your specific instructions that you've received from the Lord in your sending, but I know it includes this announcement that the kingdom of God is near. God is present. Deacon John Clark, who's a deacon within our diocese, has written a book called A Call to Christian Formation. And he says, the father sending the son into the world is not the father sending the son away from himself, but the father drawing near to us through the son. And as messengers, we're all sent to go ahead of Christ to the places where, as quoted from Luke, he himself was about to go. So the son is not sending us away from himself. But the Son wants to draw near to others through us. This is the power of the Holy Spirit at work in you, that the Son's nearness would be made known to others through us. And really, his nearness is the power. The very presence of Christ is the power of God. It's the power he brings for healing our infirmities. It's the power he brings, like he told a woman who met him. She says, he told me everything I've ever done. It's the power to be fully known. It's the power that will overturn darkness in any area you go to. So Resurrection Anglican, this power at work in you will overcome darkness and bring light. His kingdom is manifested through us. And this is just amazing. And we see this in the disciples' reaction that they were amazed. They said, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. But Jesus reminds them of what's greater. He reminds them that their names were written in heaven. Our names are written in heaven. Our power comes ultimately in knowing that nothing will ultimately hurt us that God's gracious will has been received to us in the revelation of knowing God and who we are in Christ. So we have much cause for rejoicing. We have peace. We have power. We have provision for all that we need in the name of Jesus. So we're not in charge of outcomes. We're not in charge of people's responses as we're being sent. Our focus is ones who are sent is to remain steadfast kind of with our face set like Christ towards our work because we're never alone. 
He is always with us. So on Friday night, see, this is why I need my Kleenex. When we ordained you, Jen, to become a deacon, one of your roles is to send us out each Sunday at the end of the service is the role of a deacon, the final dismissal. And there are several options in the prayer book of what can be said at the dismissal. But all of the options help us orient ourselves to what we've been called to do, what we get to do. The dismissal helps us set our face towards what is ahead. Here are two listed in the prayer book. Let us go forth into the world rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit. Or another, go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Can't you just hear Luke 10 in these two dismissals? To go with power, to go in peace, to go rejoicing, knowing that we have all provided for us. So these dismissals come at the end of a service before we go forth because they're one final reminder of our identity, of who we are, what we have, and what we get to do. So our response is, uh, thanks be to God. Alleluia. And it's no wonder. This is a really good response to a blessing. This peace is not something we conjure up within ourselves. We don't work harder trying to figure out what we need and how we can provide. The power of the Holy Spirit is a gift to us. So we rejoice in all of these things that we've been given. What we actually need, we've been given. So a whole group here of beautiful sons and daughters are leaving Church of the Cross today to start Resurrection Anglican. May you set your face fully towards this work. You don't go alone. You go with each other, with our blessing, and with God's help, God who makes everything. So at the end of the service today, let us all heartily respond to that dismissal with a Thanks be to God for the blessing of being sent. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you that you uh, count us worthy, that we are so valuable in your sight, that you've given us work to do, and it's work that will last. And so, Lord, we just pray that we can remain faithful to you as we turn to you for all we need. In Jesus' name, amen.